be turning in your Bibles to the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 21. The next to last chapter in the Bible, chapter 21 of the book of the Revelation. I want to preach today on heaven defined in the negative. Heaven defined in the negative. Notice beginning in verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I beg you tonight again or today for the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Please take the truth of your word deep into every heart. Convict, we pray, and convince of the need for the Son of God or they can't experience this place called heaven that you tell us so much about. Have your way in every life, and Lord, will thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, there's a number of lists out there on the internet, and they come out, oh my, uh, an awful lot throughout the year. As a matter of fact, it seems like the top cities in America are always changing and, and the criteria that they use to figure that out. I saw two lists not too long ago on the Internet. One was the 10, uh, the 10 worst states to live in for retirement. And of the 10 worst states to live in for retirement, the worst of them all was the state of Maine. I thought that was interesting. Of course, they had their criteria for why that was so. But what seemed a little strange was they had another list in the same group of lists that was the best of the 10 cities to retire in in the country, and the best was a city in Maine. <laughs> now, I don't know how they figured that out, but that didn't make a bit of sense to me. Well, I want to preach to you on the very best place that anybody could be, and that's heaven. God says an awful lot about it, and his word, of course, is true in everything that it says anything about. Now, you can't get a more positive message, it would seem, than a message on heaven, where there's an awful lot of things that are going to be not only so wonderful there, but things that are bad are not going to be there. Do you realize in the last three chapters of the Bible, you find the word no, N-O, you find it 12 times. 
just in the last three chapters. Now, I'm not going to preach on 12 things today. That would never fit for a Sunday morning message. However, we want to describe heaven in the negatives that God gives us about heaven. Now, he gives us a lot of positive things about heaven. And the majority of the, of the description uh, in the Bible is very positive. But he gives us a number of negative things here, too. Not that those negative things are negative. The negative things are really positive things when you look at it. How do you describe heaven? How do you describe heaven to people that have absolutely no idea what heaven is? I mean, it is something like, well, we've never experienced anything like the heaven that God describes in the Bible. You know the name Marco Polo. Now, kids use that in a game, and I don't understand the game. We never used it up in Michigan. We were civilized. But uh, the famous Venetian traveler of the 13th century, as he lay dying, he was urged by some of the attendants that were beside him to recant the descriptions that he had made of the Far East. Of course, he had traveled over in China and the lands in the Far East. And he would not recant of the descriptions that he had given. As a matter of fact, his statement was, I have not told half of what I saw. The things that amazed him so much. Well, whatever heaven is and wherever it is, it's this much is certain. We shall, this side of heaven, never be able to tell, not even half, Matter of fact, not even a hundredth, how wonderful heaven will be. I love that song. How beautiful heaven must be, sweet home of the happy and free, fair haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be. Well, there are some negatives that God describes heaven in the negative. Very Number one, we see in verse one of chapter 21, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first earth, and uh, the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. There will be no sea. Now, you look at a globe that has our planet on it, and you see that most of our globe is covered with sea. That's not going to be the case in heaven. Someone has written this, the present sea is needed as a basic reservoir. And the reason I said someone has written, because it's obvious by the terminology that's here, it did not come out of my brain. Anyway, the presidency is needed as a basic reservoir for the maintenance of the hydrologic cycle and the water-based ecology and physiology of the animal and human inhabitants of the earth. Now, doesn't that sound really intelligent? But on the new earth, oh, this is going to get some people upset. On the new earth, there is no mention of animals, although there's no statement saying that there won't be animals. Glad for that. And humans will have glorified bodies. And so with the glorified bodies, probably not have any need of water. And as far as we know, no other planet in God's universe out of all of his creation contains any significant amounts of liquid water. Water is not the norm for God's cosmic economy. However, there will be water in heaven. Revelation chapter 22, turn over to it. Look at verses 1 and 2. And he showed me a pure river of water, of, a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, 
and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Scripture tells us of the amazing things that God can do with water, that God's done in the past with water. For instance, he brought water out of the rock for the Israelites walking in the desert. Not only that, he had water come out of the jawbone of an ass. You remember when Samson had taken out a bunch of Philistines and he thought he was going to die of thirst and God had water come right out of that jawbone. Not only that, we find that Jesus walked on water. Also, he changed water to wine in John chapter 2. Also, he can part it and pile it up like he did when Israel crossed over the Red Sea. And then later when he stopped the rivers of the flooded Jordan so that Israel could cross over into the promised land that God was going to give them. A constant reminder to us of God's provision and God's power. You understand, life's going to be different in heaven than what it is in the new heaven and the new earth. And every bit of it's going to be exactly right. No hurricanes, no catastrophes, no trials and troubles like what we experience on this earth. All I can say is heaven will be heaven and there will be no more sea. Not only that, there'll be no more sun. Look at chapter 21 over in verse 23. In verse 23, the scripture says, And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. You understand that God himself is the light for heaven. It's hard for us to imagine not looking up and seeing a sun that is providing the light that we need. That's not going to be happening in heaven. In Psalm 148 and verse 3, the scripture says, Praise him, ye heaven of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Now the sun and stars will be seen, but they'll not be seen to give light. For he is the light of all of it. There's no need for it. You see, no darkness there, no night there. That's hard for us to imagine. I don't know about you, but I enjoy a good sleep. Does anybody here enjoy a good sleep? I enjoy a good sleep, but there's not going to be a need for sleep when we get to glory. It's hard for us to even imagine that, isn't it? To think that we get full use of 24 hours of every day. Well, but there's no night there. Are we even going to count days that way? And yet somehow, some way in what we just read about heaven, about the tree of life bringing forth fruit every month. So there's going to be some way to tell time. Every month. Every month. How many months do you think there's going to be? What calendar are we going to use? I don't know. God's got all that taken care of. We can sit and ask all kinds of questions all day long, but you can believe God's description. In 1 John 1 and verse 5, the Bible says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There's no darkness for evil to hide in. What glory. He is the light. I read about Michelangelo. He was walking through a gallery with several of his artist friends. And finally, he just got fed up with indignation. He turned on these other artists and he said, why do you keep filling gallery after gallery with endless paintings of Christ on the cross, Christ dying, most of all of Christ hanging dead? 
Why do you concentrate upon the passing episode as if that were the last word in the final scene, as if the curtain dropped upon that hour of disaster? At worst, that only lasted a few hours. But to the end of unending eternity, Christ is alive. Christ rules. He reigns. He triumphs. As a matter of fact, we have a good commentary for us over in the book of Isaiah. Turn back to the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 60. In Isaiah chapter 60. And notice what he says beginning in verse 19. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 19. The sun shall be no more thy light by day. Neither the brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. But the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light. And thy God, thy glory, thy moon shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. Thy people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. Now, we read descriptions like that, and we think, well, then how? Well, there's a lot you don't understand about heaven yet. God gives us these glimpses into what it's going to be like, but because all we've experienced is the sun, the moon, the stars, and the need for light, that when the, when the sun goes around uh, to the other, or the planet spins so that the sun's on the other side, that we're in darkness, that's not going to be in heaven. That's not the way that it is. So no sea and no sun to shine, for he is the light. Also, and I want you to get this, there'll be no Satan. You go back to chapter 20, and you find something takes place in chapter 20 in verse 3. Well, let me read verse 2 also. It says, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And Hey, do you hear that, devil worshipers? The devil will be bound for a thousand years. Now, he's going to be loosed. We'll read that in just a moment. But it's only going to be for just a little time. He already is a defeated foe. All this young generation that thinks somehow they're really cool because they worship the devil. And uh, they'll try to learn some witchcraft potions and stuff like that. He's a loser. And his followers are losers, too. That's reality. That'll make somebody mad, but not a Christian. Now, let me get back to this here. And bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Nobody will be able to say during that thousand years, the devil made me do it. He'll be locked up. Now he's going to be loose, but notice in verse 10, it says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. If you look at some of the old uh, pictures that had been drawn by people, you've got a picture of hell. 
they usually have Satan in there dressed up like Satan and he's punishing the people in hell. Listen, this is the lake of fire he's talking about that was prepared for the devil and his angels, not for him to reign and rule, but for him to suffer. And his suffering and his torment will go throughout eternity. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night. Listen to me. There'll be no devil in heaven. No devil in heaven. Boy, that alone right there gets me excited. This is the one that's called the destroyer. That's what he is. But his destroying days will be done. Jesus said, the thief cometh not before to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life. This is the one who is the accuser of the brethren. A matter of fact, I think the devil personally, I think he makes his home on the internet. He makes it on some of these so-called false Christian sites where they love doing everything they can to run down anything that's godly. It's all that they're about. Listen, you can find fault with any place on this earth that has people. Because you see, people still got flesh on them. Now, thank God he came into the world to save sinners. Do you get that? God looked at all of us. All of us are a mess. All of us have problems with this flesh. And he describes that in several different places in the scripture. And if you want to take the time to read Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, you'll find out what this flesh does. Thank God he came into the world to save sinners. Yes, I'm a believer. I've trusted Christ as Savior. I'm going to heaven. But the only reason I'm going to heaven is because he paid my sin debt on Calvary. He rose from the dead three days later. I put my faith and trust in him. He did not see one good thing in me. He saw me as a lost sinner deserving to burn in hell for eternity. But thank God when I took Christ as Savior, now when he looks at me, it is not me that he sees, but the righteousness of his own son, Jesus Christ. And on the basis of Christ's righteousness, that's how I'm getting to heaven. The devil, the accuser of the brethren, he is a deceiver. But thank God there'll be no deception in heaven. There'll be no destruction brought on by the evil one for he will be locked up in his torment and his punishment for eternity. Not only will there be no sea, no sun, no Satan, but there'll be no sin there. Go over to chapter 21, look at verse 27. Verse 27, it says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, Neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. No one bent on evil will get in. I mean, you can see pictures every day on the nightly news all around America where people are robbed and beaten, where people are killed. It seems like this whole country is bent on evil. I mean, you can't even trust that you're going to get packages that you've ordered and already paid for because people in your own neighborhood, your own neighbors will come around and steal off your own porch. We have such a wicked society of people that absolutely nothing is good about them. You want a proof of the wickedness of man, just read the nightly news. Get on something like the Drudge Report and see how wicked mankind is to mankind. It's not just country to country, but I'm talking, listen, among each race, they'll do one another in. 
You want to lift up a race? Why? We're all wicked. That is what we are. And we can see that in what mankind does all the time. But think of it, no lying, no stealing. There aren't going to be any of those 20 calls, scam calls that you get every day now. No pornographers. Not going to be any wicked internet sites in heaven, I'll guarantee you that. No lust, no gossip, no envy, no covetousness, no bad attitudes. Yes, some teenagers are going to heaven, but there'll be no bad attitudes there. No selfishness, no pride, no love of money, no materialism, no booze, no cursing, no drugs. Woo! I like that description of heaven. Things are going to be right. You see, because the righteous one, the king of kings and the Lord of lords on the throne... And sin will have absolutely no place there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, he says, Know ye not, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you're washed. You're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So there'll be no sea and no sun and no Satan and no sin, and there'll be no sorrow there. Look at verse 4 of chapter 21. He said, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. No sorrow there. You think of the things that cause sorrow here. Of course, death is one we think of a lot, but hearing a word like cancer. I don't know about you, but when I see those ads, whether it be for St. Jude's or, pardon me, forgive me for using the word Shriners with their hospital, but you see those pictures of those little kids. That breaks my heart. I'm not giving an advertisement for any of these about the matter of giving. You, personally, my gifts go to the local church, but nevertheless, it breaks my heart. That's all over the world. I mean, there you just see just a small part of the kind of agony that goes on around the entire world. And one of the things you learn about most all the governments, they're not concerned about life. They're concerned about power. And they'll do things to get elected. They'll say things to get elected, but they're not concerned about helping people. They're concerned about power. Hey, it won't, won't have to worry about that in heaven. No pain there. Pain causes sorrow. Tears shed at the announcement of death. My, all over the world that takes place. Burn victims. I mean, there's constant pain in so many ways. How about this? No car accidents. Why? There'll be no curse there. You look at chapter 22 and verse 3, and the scripture says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. People get mad because things go wrong here. Don't get mad at God about that. God didn't want it to be that way. All man had to do was obey what God said, and there wouldn't have been a problem. 
And God made it simple. One rule, that was it. One rule, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you can't eat it. The day you eat it, you die. One rule, they didn't keep it. Death came because of Adam and Eve. Man caused his own problem. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. But one day, all that that causes sorrow will be no more. Hallelujah. And that'll be in glory. Then the things that accompany sorrow, crying. You know what will really be nice? I was thinking about this as I was reading this and not, not to get off track. But ladies, guess what? You won't be able to use tears to get your husband to get you what you want. <laughs> not going to be any tears there. Hallelujah. Come on, some, some brave man say amen to that. Yeah, there you go. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness. There'll be no sanctuary there. What do you mean by that? I'm talking about the temple. Look at chapter 21, verse 22. He says, and I saw no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. We're going to worship Him. Him. It's all about Him. You realize that's what heaven is about? Now, there's a lot of enjoyable stuff, a lot of things that I, I look at and I say, man, I'm glad for that, I'm glad for that, I'm glad for that. But do you realize all of those things that he said is so we can give our full time to worshiping him and glorifying him? See, part of our problem that we have today is we've, we've raised up a couple generations that think everything is about them. And God never meant for life to be about us, it's about him. Now, God's provided wonderful things for us that we can worship him. When he gave the land to Israel, he gave them that land so that they would worship him. He gave them his word. He said, here, you keep my word about following his word with your whole heart. Had they, when they got to the land, done what God gave them the land for, they'd still been in the land all this time. They never would have lost it. But they lost it because when they got to the land, they wanted to do whatever they wanted. And so they disobeyed God, and they ended up losing it. Heaven is going to be all about Him. We're going to be praising Him. We're going to be worshiping Him. I know we get concerned. Do you think there'll be soccer in heaven? Well, what fun would that be? I mean, what fun would it be? No goalkeeper's going to let a ball get through his legs. Never going to happen. The best kicks will never work. I mean, how could you have every hitter hit a home run, but every pitcher strike out everybody he faces? I mean, heaven's life is not like here. The things that mean something to us here really have no value or meaning there. It'll be different when it comes to worship. It'll be all about him. You say, man, we've got a praise team. Well, guess what? All of heaven will be a praise team. He will be our worship leader because it's all about worshiping him. Here, men go to places of worship. There were places that were centers of worship in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, men built altars. And then they built a tabernacle, then a temple, then synagogues. As men were scattered in the New Testament times, the church, before the heavenly cities descend to the earth, it's possible that a temple, according to Revelation chapter 11 and verse 19, and an altar is going to be put up. Yes, they call it the third temple. Hebrews reminds us that the earthly temple was simply a picture of the heavenly one. 
the one already in glory. But the focus is not on the temple. The focus is on him. You say, I love the house of God, but the focus is on God. The house of God is supposed to be about God. It's not about the seekers. It's about God. It's about glorifying him and exalting him. We will praise him all the time. As a matter of fact, there won't be things on the buildings to distract our attention from him. Notice he says that the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. God in his majesty, God in his suffering and humanity are one. As such, he dwells with his people by virtue of his creation and by his right and redemption. One God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God, eternal God, who has manifested himself to us in the person of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That bothers some people. He said, preacher, but I, I don't understand that. Well, take heart. There's a lot of things you don't understand. How in the world can we, with our little bitty minds... Do you realize in light of all the universe that your mind is not very big? Now, I know I have a big head. My wife will tell you I have a big head. Very difficult for me to find hats that fit. If I find a hat that fits, I usually buy it simply because there may come a day when I need a hat. And I can't just set it on my head because if I just set it on my head, it falls off every time I move. I went to Mexico. We went down to Brother Joins's in Mexico. It was probably uh, at least six times before he finally found a hat for me at one of those stores down there in Sotillo in the marketplace that actually came down, not just on top of my head, but down where it fit, and it wouldn't fall off. I was just thinking about that a moment ago, and I don't have a clue what I was trying to say about it. (laughs) I messed myself up with my own illustration. I was going to try to fake it, but I thought, no, I'm just going to admit it and we'll move on. (laughs) Last of all. Oh, is my brain? Thank you. Someone was paying attention to the message. I got a big head, but in light of all the entire universe, now I'm going to make the point, in light of the whole universe, it's really tiny. And yours is too. God knows everything. He put all things together with just the word of his mouth. He, He did it without an architect. Didn't follow anybody's codes, and he did it right. Hallelujah. Last thing. Thank you, by the way. I'm going to give you a ticket. Whoever said that, I'm going to give you a ticket. You can go to sleep one service. (laughs) The rest of you don't get one because you obviously were. You weren't paying any attention to me than I was. Anyway, you think of all these great things about heaven, this last negative about heaven, this last one. John 3, 18, Jesus said, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There'll be no sinners in heaven, only the redeemed. 
If you look at the passage that we read, I stopped reading at verse 7. Notice verse 8. It starts out, but. After those wonderful things that he says about heaven, he stops and he says, but. Yeah, no more pain, no more suffering. That's wonderful. But. But. But what? But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You say, but aren't we just sinners saved by grace? I guess technically you could say that. But you don't find any place in your New Testament where God calls us that. He calls us sons of God. He calls us the redeemed. He calls us justified. As a matter of fact, you go through the New Testament and God has wonderful things to say about those who have put their faith and trust in Christ as Savior. Like John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You see, as many wonderful truths that there are about heaven, this truth is certain that only the redeemed are going to be there. You remain lost. You, may, you remain outside of Christ. You don't accept the eternal life that he died on the cross to pay for for you. Then you don't get to go there. Which means pain. Means tears. Means torments. Throughout eternity. In Matthew 25, 34, Jesus speaking, he says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he gets to verse 20 or 41. He says, Then shall they say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's what happens to those who don't take Christ as Savior. God doesn't make anyone go to, or go to heaven. He doesn't make anybody go to heaven. If you want to die and go to hell, he'll let you. He doesn't want you to go. As a matter of fact, the Bible's very plain about the fact he doesn't want anybody to go there. That's why when Jesus died on the cross, he died for everybody. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He wants you saved. He wants you to spend an eternity with him. He paid your sin debt. He truly paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. Thank God Jesus died on the cross to take my sin away. And he says, here's a free gift. I'm offering it to you. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now, how foolish for someone to look at that and say, well, I'm mad at God. I'm not going to take it. Okay. You get hell. Nice trade. That's really thinking it through. He wants you to go to heaven. 
He wants you to enjoy heaven for eternity with him. And you take hell to burn forever? Well, I've got a friend there. He died and went to hell. I'm mad at God about that. I want to go where he's at. He's not going to say hi to you down there. He's screaming in torment throughout eternity. He might hear your screams, but you're not carrying on conversations down there. You're not going to be smoking a joint together. You don't get any of that. That's, that's not what hell's about. Hell is eternal torment, according to the word of God. And the loving God wants to give you eternal life. But you've got to take him. As many as received him, to them gave him power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Yeah, heaven is defined by the negatives. No more sea, no more, uh, no more sin, no more Satan. No more sorrow, no more sanctuary, no more sun, no more sinners. And it's free. You can have it. But you need to take them today. The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this wonderful truth. And how, boy, I'm so much closer to heaven now than what I've ever been. And looking forward to that day when I get released to be to the place that you have prepared for all those who have taken your son as their savior. Father, deal with hearts today. For any without Christ, may they see their need for Jesus. Turn to him today and receive that free gift of eternal life. Father, I pray for those that are saved but not living for you. They're going to heaven. They've got that settled. They've taken Christ as savior. But, Lord, it sure would be a whole lot better if they spent what time they had here on this earth glorifying the one who died for them on the cross of Calvary. Have your way in every life, I plead in Jesus' name.